0: Over member of the fellowship since 9, 1881. She has been active in groups in Fairbanks, Alaska, San Mateo, Mountain View, Fremont, and Lemoore. She has been in service in HI as a secretary and sponsor. Her A motto is, I drank enough to get here, hopefully I drank enough to stay. <laughs> and now, With all the earnestness at your command, will you welcome, please, from Lamore, California, Monique. Hi, my name is Monique, and I'm an alcoholic. I didn't expect that to rendition. Anyway, I, I did. I, I did drink enough to get here. Hopefully, I'd like another day. Uh, I, I get excited t- saying that. I would be in a meeting, and uh, there was a lady there who was very comfortable in her sobriety, and she was always knitting and crocheting. When I first got here, I couldn't hold a cup of coffee, so for her to be knitting and crocheting was just phenomenal. Her hands were steady, and that was the way she started all of her pictures, and I remember thinking, that is so awesome. So I don't have to debate over whether or not, you know, I'm a member, did I drink enough, or any of that kind of stuff. So that is true. That is so true. Um, let's see. I used to say that um, I was born alcoholic. I am from a family of five. I was raised by an alcoholic stepfather and my mother. Um, I'm the fourth out of five kids. And uh, my father was a... Right here, I brought up uh, very afraid, very afraid about, um, you know, is he going to kill my mother? Is what I used to think. You know, is he going to kill her? And uh, and I remember, you know, having the choice of whether or not I would get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom, or just be afraid to shake. And uh, and I remember, um, you know. Knowing the bathroom was right there, but thinking to myself, I can't go. I was just petrified, that's what I'm trying to say, just petrified of life. And uh, and I remember my mother saying that she stayed with my stepfather. Another one I like to say about this, is that? the other one I say, and what I told myself, come here, show up, pay attention, tell the truth. So I'm going to tell the truth, you know. And uh, anyway, and so uh, what happened was um, she said she stayed with him because he was able to, you know, provide for us financially. So I'm really thinking to myself, oh, if this is this why she's going to stay with him? That I'm going to get a job. Because this is not, you know. And then, you know, I'm feeling it because she takes care of us. Oh, my God, if you want to call it that. So I, I used to, and I used to have a potty mouth on so really, it's going to really change things because I'm going to try to clean it up tonight. So you'll hear me pull back and, you know, okay, she just edited herself. So anyway, um, it's the truth. Uh, that's the other thing that I got in recovery, too. My, my first sponsor, when I was about six months sober, somebody said that, Monique, now that you're clean, you need to clean up your mouth. I remember thinking, oh, my God. You know, um, oh, my. So I remember I lamented over that. I thought, oh, my goodness. But you know what? I was so desperate as the dying was, you know, that I said, if I have to quit cursing, that's what I'm going to do. So I went to my sponsor, um, and I asked her, I said, Betty, you know, do I need to quit cursing? And Betty looked at me, and she looked at me right in the eye. And by now, I'm able to look people in the eye. And she said, God does not listen to your mouth. He listens to your heart. And I've been a Christian S.O.D. ever since. However, Um, it is a work in progress. Um, Anyway, and and so... uh, I always knew that uh, I was petrified of life. I was always afraid of my own shadow. I also knew, somebody asked me this very recently, I also knew very early on that I was the wrong color and the wrong sex. I knew that. I remember thinking, oh, my goodness. I am old enough to remember the march on uh, Washington, 1963. I was about two years old. You can do the math. And, uh And I remember... You know, and I remember looking at the people and it was like all wading in the water and he just looked so pressed and sand and things like that and I remember thinking, That is me. That I look like that and if these people are struggling and there's a fight, I'm I'm screwed. I remember thinking that I'm just screwed. So, um, and um, so you know, I, so I'm always kind of just tolerating life. Just tolerating. And the other thing she said about staying with my stepfather too was that he never did anything to me. Oh, dear, that was not good. What are you supposed to do? You know, and so that whole you know, I don't know if my mother was sexually abused. That's what I'm talking about when I say that. But I know that she raised me to be afraid about that. And I remember thinking that, and I was the only girl at the time. And I remember thinking, so he may do something to me. So I learned very early on to stay away from my sexuality. I remember, you know, please, whatever it means being a girl. You know, I don't want it. And, it, and that's, okay, I, I'm really going And that's the advantage of this day. I was so glad I wasn't full for let me just put you like that. You know what I mean? I was so glad I wasn't voluptuous and people were asking me for, you know, my body. Because it was like, oh, my God, that's just too much work. Um, you know, Woo one of, the, one of the friends I grew up with, she started developing at age seven. And when we would play hide, go get it, you know, uh, when you did that, when you were a little kid. We'd play hide, go get it, and, you um, Thank you. Always be over in the corner. Oh, no. And the reason why she was saying that is because she was already developed and all the boys were chasing after her nobody was chasing after me. <laughs> so, and I was just so glad I was never full figured on that basis. But anyway, so she said he never did anything to us and so I was—I just kind of swallowed life. I just kind of swallowed things. I used to suck my thumb, uh, acting my two fingers and so I'm, I'm wedding in the bed, I don't almost said the bad word, I'm wetting in the bed and I'm sucking my two fingers. I'm already neurotic folks. So I'm not even five, okay? And it's a real clear to me that you know I've got some emotional problems it's real clear to me so by the time I'm introduced to alcohol at 12 it was like oh happy day thank you I, this is what I've been looking for all my life and again I used to say that I was born an alcoholic I don't know if that's true but when I took the first drink an alcoholic was born I never drank socially ever. It was never my intention to drink socially. And, um, and I wanted to get as drunk as I possibly could. I remember people saying that if you drop cigarette butts inside of the, the beer can, you get more drunk. So guess what I was butting my cigarettes? Inside the can, man. I mean, you know, that was the whole goal. Uh, I, was, I was trying not to feel. I was a numb nut. Uh, I didn't want to feel anything. And my whole purpose for drinking was total and complete oblivion. I just wanted to be cut off from any feelings; they were dangerous. Um, so anyway, so I started drinking when I was 12. And um, and I remember thinking that this is kind of young. I remember thinking I'm liking this a little too well. And so early on in my drinking career, I kind of slowed myself down. I knew to slow myself down. I was always a good student, not because I enjoyed going to school, but school provided for me and my household was some structure. It was safe. I knew what I was going to do every day at the same time, and it was safe. So I flourished in school, and again, not because I was a good student, but because I had destruction. structure. I came from a very dysfunctional family and oftentimes when I was in school I would think to myself that the whole family one day is going to just leave. They're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. I had serious abandonment issues just like I do today and, and always insecure and always fighting and so I did very well in school and, uh, and, I, and I knew that if I drank the way I really really wanted to uh, that I would not finish school and my thing was back to that black thing is that um I'd also heard that being a black female, it was expected that I was going to be pregnant and drop out of school. So the main thing was my whole goal was not to get pregnant, and I wasn't going to drop out. So I slowed down. And what I said in that period is that in my slowing down, say, like from 12 to 14, I slowed down in my drinking. And in my mind, because I wasn't drinking the quantity I wanted to, I quit. <laughs> I really thought I had quit drinking. You know what I mean? And I was like, well, no, you never did quit. You know, um, but I slowed down. And so that's what, that was the beginning of me recognizing I must have a drinking problem. I mean, I knew. I knew all the time I had a drinking problem. So, um, you know, I managed to get through school. I remember turning in paperwork without my name on it because I was a blackout drinker. Uh, teacher asked, whose paper is this with no name on it? It wasn't mine. I have no idea. You know, and then he showed it, he looked it up, I looked it him like it was me. I don't even remember trying to do anything yet. So how I got from school, I really don't know. I was a blackout drinker. And part of me liked blacking out because it meant I didn't have to know what was going on, which was just perfect. You know, I, I did enjoy that. And in the blackouts, you know, when people would try to tell you what happened, I didn't want to know. You know, that's why they're blackouts, folks. Don't tell me, you know. Um, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And so anyway, um, finally at uh, 15, my mother asked me, "Mike, why do you drink so much? What's, what's the matter with you? You know, and I, I couldn't answer that question. I really didn't know. And, I, and I'm hurting enough now where, you know, I have to kind of take a look at things myself and figure yeah. out this is not working for me. And um, didn't know how to stop, though. I had a guy in the program say that the last two years of your drinking, you really just keep drinking because you don't know anything else. And I know that that's true. I didn't know how to quit. I didn't even know quitting was possible. So when she asked me, you know, why do you continue to drink? I didn't have a clue. But so one night I was um, going out on a date, and it was not a date. It was a drinking escapade. I tell this story because it's significant for me. And uh, it was an opportunity for me to get drunk. That's what dates were. Um, you know, I really didn't like boys. I had three other bro- three older brothers. And my whole thing was just trying to get away from him, trying to get away from these guys, you know. And uh, but he was an out, it was an out. And um, so I went out with this guy, and uh, and he, he, we'd out before, and I was gotten drunk before, you know. Most of the time when I get drunk with folks, they don't want to go back out with me, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I was crazy, you know. And um, and so. Um, so he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I was like, well, yeah, okay, I'll go out. And so the first thing that happened was, when I got in the car, it was almost as if I had a gun, and he was at gunpoint, and I said, take me to the liquor store. This is, you know, this is our date. And he's like, oh, no, that's not where I want to take you, to the liquor store, you know. And uh, I was just like, take me to the liquor store. So all social graces went out. I didn't care. You know, it was just like, you are an opportunity, you're a vehicle for me to get drunk. You know, I'm serious about this. If you don't do it, I'm going to walk, you know. And um, so he took me to the store, and I tell this, it's the truth. Because he had been out with me before. He came out with one beer. I'm thinking, one beer, you know? I'll go back in there. This is really what I'm thinking. Go back in there and get one of something you're right So I, he came out with a six-pack and my thinking was, okay, now this is mine. You go get yours. We're not sharing this. So, you know, and so it was It was clear to me. That was a turning point for me because it was clear to me then that I must be an alcoholic. Can, can you hear that? I must be an alcoholic. Sixteen. And I told my mother, I said, Mother, I know what my problem is. I'm an alcoholic. You don't know the freedom I myself in recognizing that and coming to, coming to terms with that. And, uh, and my mother was like, well, oh, goody, now we can get you sober and we can do something about this. And I'm thinking, oh, no, <laughs> you got that backwards. Now that I know I'm an alcoholic, now I'm going to really get drunk, you know. And uh, so she had gone to AA and got these pamphlets from you people, you know, and was telling me, you need to go to alcohol. Anonymous. I am 16. I'm not going to AA. And, uh, you know, and I remember thinking, you know, I'm not doing it. But I did stop by one time. I was about 18 years old, and I stopped by me. It was a whole bunch of old white men. And, uh, and at that time, old was 40. <laughs> Because I was like, what was I, 18? Yeah, over well, 40. Um, you know, everybody was smoking. They smoked through weed back then, you know. And um, I was thinking, hey, hey, I'm not going to do this. And here's, just, here's the other thing is that I stopped at the liquor store, and I got myself a little pina colada, a little shot that you have. And, um, you know, and I, that, that I've heard you the department, something like that. I, oh, I was calling your name. It was in my purse, you know, and it's just calling my name saying, you know, you guys are doing this serenity prayer and all this cheerleader stuff to me. You know, rah, 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 rah. rah. And all I'm thinking is, I'm going to go in the bathroom and drink this stuff, you know. So when we took our little break, I went in the bathroom and I took a drink in, and I left, you know. And I, and I went home someone, and I went to AA. It didn't work, you know. <laughs> but um anyway, so uh, long story short is that as I as I continue to drink, um uh, um, my addiction prepared, needless to say. I found myself in very scary situations I am from so Los Angeles and I remember thinking that somebody's going to turn me out I'm going to be Jane Doe walking the streets in Hollywood lost forever in a, a abyss of drugs and alcohol I was petrified I knew enough to know being a girl and being a drunk was not a very good combination you know and um, and so um after a while, my mother sent um, me up to Fairbanks. That's how I got over to Fairbanks. She sent me up there. She came home one day and I was drunk on the front porch. And um, once again, I had had a blackout. And I remember thinking that uh, I was in the bed, and I was not in the bed. I was on the front porch, passed out. That yeah, was a very, very common occurrence for me, by the way. And when she walked up the front door and saw me on the front laying there, I thought, oh my God, I'm not in bed, you know, and and her eyes were just like bulging out of her head because she's thinking I'm dead, and you know, and so the thing is, is that what I learned is admitting you're an alcoholic and accepting you're an alcoholic are two different things. I thought by admitting I was an alcoholic that whatever that life was, that's where I was going to stay. What I didn't know is that the bottom kept dropping, and that scared me. I didn't sign up for this. So now I'm drinking, and I don't know what's going to happen next. And it goes like this: you take the drink, the drink takes the drink, and then the drink takes you. Perhaps, um. So she says you gotta go to Fairbanks with your dad because I don't know what to do with you and I didn't know what to do with me I remember riding the buses in Los Angeles just going up and down the road thinking you know where are we going what are we doing lost talk about one guy who says in lost all and tall weeds I was lost and so she sent me up there and um you know that didn't work out with him because he's an alcoholic too and what would happen is that between the two of us somebody had to take care of each other so eventually he, he put me out. So here I am in Fairbanks. You know, I, I'm really thinking I'm in my haven, actually, because what I knew about Alaska was that there were a lot of alcoholics that lived in Alaska. So I'm thinking, I'm going home. I'm in the right place with all these folks, right? And um, anyway, and so uh, what happened was that, you know, hitting that bottom, I finally turned to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I have my mother to thank for that because I knew exactly where to go. Here's the deal, though. I went to those meetings and I went drunk. And of course I went drunk because if you're an alcoholic, you're going to go drunk, too. Here's the good news. Is that me you to to those meetings drunk, nobody said, be quiet. You come back when you get sober. Nobody said that to me. And what I did was I heard the truth and I listened for the truth. And I heard you all telling my story. But finally I felt like I was home and um and I remember thinking, you know, that um, this is this is this is this is the thing for me. This is it for me. You know, and um, but at the same time because I was drinking I had to keep drinking. So I had to make this a routine. Every Friday I would go to a meeting, I'd go drunk and I'd go home to be drunk. You know, that's how I did AA. You know, she was being planted, though and one night, um a girl named Lucia. Um, asked my then husband um, you know if she could take me home I had been hit on by women before too and I you oh here we go you know she's trying to get in my panties you know what I mean and, um, <laughs> and uh, I'm like you can't take me home you know I need to raise hell in this man's heart he didn't let me go you know and he looked at me and she looked at me and um, you know and he said yeah you can take her home and I thought you sob, you know what I mean? How dare you! And um, so anyway, when she uh, she took me home and and uh, she gave me the big book of alcoholism. And what she told me was, you know, ninety meetings in ninety days. Don't take the first drink, and you won't get drunk. Keep the plug in the jug. in the job. why am I buying it? You know? <laughs> Don't take the first drink and you Everybody knows it's the 15th drink. Is she's crazy? You know, so... <laughs> and, uh, and she talked about the basis of the program. God first, sobriety second, money third. What do you mean? God first. She said, Monique, says, if you don't have those first two days in order, you will not be sober. There won't be any, money. God first, sobriety second, morning third. Wow. wow. What a freedom. What a freedom. I'm relieved of the bondage of self. Thank you, God. I'm still sure in my book. That's June 19th, 1981. That's the only reason why I know my sobriety day, folks. I was like, it was just a normal drunk. And I didn't read that until six months later, because since she suggested I read the big book, I wasn't going to do it. (laughs) I still don't read a whole lot today. I still, I buy books for you guys to read it and tell me what it saying. I still not read, so that part is still, that's pretty consistent. But anyway, it was six months before I looked at that book and I was like, September, was it, is that what it was? Because I was a black belt drinker. Is that what it was? September 19th, that's not Friday. I have to come to know it. Again, she gave me that big book. But here's the thing. I was already drunk. So I had that mojo on. I had to hit the streets. My dad called me a running drunk. When I got drunk, I had to go. You know, and um, so I was already drunk. And I was thinking, this is a wonderful thing that she's talking about. But when she goes to sleep, I'm going to keep getting drunk, you know. And um, and I remember trying to put on my clothes and balance myself. I was going to fall down. I'm going to tell you, I, well, I'm going to be clean. my mind. I had a lot of accidents. Let's just put it like that. Anyway, and <laughs> the cleanup version just is not the same. I had a lot of accidents when I was drinking. A lot. And um, and so I remember trying to balance and put my clothes on, thinking to myself, I just need to be in the store one more time. Hi. We need to do the sobriety thing tomorrow. Let me get out of here. And as I was leaving out the door, trying to be sober and trying to balance and try to leave quietly, her children said, Mama, Monique is leaving. And I thought, those little bastards, this is my first post word, I said, they have had drugs here before, right? So, so the next day, and Lucille came up. She was militant. She had to be, because, you know, I'm really not tough. I'm not a fighter. I never have been, but just being black sometimes, jail folks, you know what I mean? So, um, i know noticing the black, but she's black anyway. So, so anyway. <laughs> And Lucia talks to a lot of crap, and I knew she could beat me up, so I'm like, thank God for that, because I needed that. I needed that. Sit down, Monique. You're not going anywhere. I need you I need you don't pick the furniture anymore. And I thought, that's what it is. She's not trying to get in my panties. She's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's crazy. Anyway, that's all right. So the next thing, Lucia asked me, Monique, what are your priorities? Damn. Don't take the first drink and you won't get drunk, Keep the plug and the drug. And I have not, I have not found it necessary to drink this man. And if you're alcoholic like I'm an alcoholic, that is huge. I could not believe it. Here's the no thing about that. I just couldn't pay, and it wasn't a party I could think of. Oh, I had money in my pocket, and I wasn't drunk. The next day, the next day, I put some money in my pocket. This is not me. The other thing that happened is that the compulsion to drink was lifted. I didn't even know what compulsion was. I just drank, I just drank. And so, play your prayers, money, Don't take the first drink and you won't get drunk. Keep the in the take the first drink and get you drunk know about you all and if I want to say this again if you be alcoholic I got to be alcoholic oh, those are life changing words and I stand here before you today as a result of those words nobody in my drinking circle nobody ever told me that thank you thank you Lucia. so well, it didn't matter the next day Lucille wanted to get in my bloomers cause at that point she could have them <laughs> I want to tell you what happened. Uh, it was the beginning. Two weeks ago gone by. Another paycheck. Another Friday. I'm not drinking. My friends are looking for me now. Not drinking, buddy. Where are you Monique? You know you're not showing up anymore. I'm not. I can't believe it. One catches me in the car on the way to an AA meeting. Guess what I tell her? I'm on my way to an AA meeting. I can't believe I'm even having these conversations. Now I'm driving, and guess what, folks? I'm making my destination. Prior to that. Watch out. She right. I'm a little bit like that today, on not I, Phil? Anyway. <laughs> um, but I'm not wrong. Anyway, and, uh, you know, and this girl, you know, she said, Monique, you know, you want to come on over? You don't have some You haven't seen it in two weeks. No, you haven't. And then the guess where I'm going? I'm going to an a Do you want to go? Hell no, I don't want to go. But anyway, <laughs> I cannot believe it. My life begins to change. Here's the other thing that happened to me is that she takes my sponsor. Thank you. People talk about having no self-esteem or no self-esteem. I had none. She said Jenny is going to be your sponsor. Thank you, God, because guess what? If I had to ask, I still wouldn't have one. You know what I mean? I had no, there was no way you were going to reject me. I rejected myself. Hell no, I never. And I tell people today, it's not like marriage, but it might as well have been, because I was so afraid of being rejected. I wasn't going to ask you, but Betty was my sponsor. Thank God for that. Betty took me to the special, a wonderful lady. One of the things she said, Mike, I hope you find yourself in somebody's upside. Hell is she talking about marriage. Damn, you people are crazy. You know, more would they... They used to bitch tell me what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> More will be revealed. Right you know, uh, you, know um, you know, and here's the other thing, you know, in doing the steps, she called me. She called me. I think I'm two months sober. My phone rang. She wanted to see how I was doing. The next day at the meeting, they knew my name, and it wasn't bitch. It was not bitch said, Monique, welcome back. Good God almighty. Wow. I walked through the steps. When she took me to the steps, I was scared about the four-step. I thought I was going to do a little different because I talked a lot about the girls a lot last time. She, I was scared of the four-step. I, so, I was scared of me. I was scared of who I was going to see. You know what I mean? When I got here, I would have traded places with anybody. Anybody but me. Today, I wouldn't trade places with really. I like Ron. Even the cleaning up version. I'm liking her a little better too. I did say a couple of them, but I'm doing better. I'm looking at that day? clock too. Yes. Anyway, and I <laughs> was, um I had to really, really lean on the third step to get to the fourth. I was petrified. I had to really, really, that every time I got ready to write, I was so scared of me. And the only one I didn't force it was because Frank came like six months after me. And people love Frank in an This Listen to Frank. Oh, doesn't Frank are wonderful. You know, look what Frank has to say. I'm like, that bastard. He's getting better faster than me. You know, I tell he said, my boy, yes. That's what I'm thinking. He's not going to beat me in this shit, so I'm going to do my first. That's what happens. That was all I wanted to do it. I was just like, I ain't going to let my baby shoot, you know. So anyway, so I did the fourth step, petrified. But I said, you know, we didn't have the bondage itself. Third step prayer. Every time I got ready to write. Because I don't know about you, said, fearless, I was full of fear. Full of fear. So we didn't have the bondage self. Wrote it down, wrote it down, wrote it down. And then we did the fifth step. And I'm thinking, we spent four hours. Fifth step. I wrote down, we had my meeting. I spent four hours, and she talking about her damn self. Ain't that something? <laughs> I said, all afternoon now, I'm going to listen about her. Didn't I have a clue? She's talking about me. She didn't have a clue. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was two weeks later, I'm like, dang. She was talking about me. <laughs> anyway, come find out Frank had not done his for You know? <laughs> But I did. <laughs> anyway, you know, and went through the steps, started working with people, started sponsoring people, started to find a little bit about who I am. I wear this natural today because I'm a black woman, not in spite of being one. Isn't that wonderful? She said, Monique, she said, Monique, she said, Monique, she said that, um, she said that Monique, you know, she says, what does she call herself? She, she said she was a hillbilly or something. She said, I just love being, I think you were involved. She says, I'm a hillbilly. You know, she's as proud of me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, so I hope you find yourself. And she is so right. This has been our journey. This has been our journey beyond my large, month I am now in school. I'm just fast forward I'm now in school. I'm working on my bachelor's degree. You know, I'm a lifelong learner. I've got that here. Yes, in fact, I was supposed to be in class tonight. So good thing you don't know, call me nine so because I'm in class tonight. And I talk to my teacher and all that kind of stuff. And you know, the things that AA has taught me to do be accountable. Um, I will tell you this: that one year in my sobriety, they said don't make any major decisions within your first year. A year after my sobriety, Ruth has committed suicide. Um, I was almost two years sober. That is when the love of the people in the fellowship really showed themselves. People surrounded me and protected me and put white light around me in a way I did not. I couldn't imagine. I just couldn't imagine. So this is what I've heard said, that God's uh, love won't take you where his grace won't keep you. i telling you, you guys are angels. I'm so grateful for that because I was going crazy. And from a girl who did not have any feelings to now, all these feelings are coming up, I had to learn how to grieve. I had no idea. I had to learn how to feel. I didn't have a clue. I heard that said here, too. And sobriety what get you feel better. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. you get to feel better. And yes, you do. And sometimes it has to hurt to heal. Dang. I'm so grateful for that. So I'm in school. Um, I'm working on my bachelor's degree. Uh, I am the caretaker of a 13-year-old who has special needs. He's a product of alcoholic parents. And so derived out of that are some of those things. Phillip and I are learning how to co-parent this individual. And it's been a challenge because having kids forces you to do what? Grow up. Damn. How <laughs> did I do that? You know, and and I'm so grateful. I get to do these things. I And for the most part, you know what? I want to say this, that you guys are safe as long as I'm sober. You're safe. I, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. I couldn't, you know, and that was the other thing about me quitting, too, is that I didn't mind dying. In fact, I really wanted to die. But I did not want to kill you. you know what I mean? I did want to kill you. So, for the most part, when I get behind the wheel, I, I'm safe today. For the most part. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. And you know what? Um, there's not a whole lot more for me to say, except that this is, I will tell you this, that this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Far not The greatest thing. Like uh Lucia said, without my sobriety, there is no money. And when I think about the joy that I feel about being so much out, Hope that if you didn't hear anything else, I am so grateful for that. And the thing is is that you still don't have to drink. That's what recovery does for me. You do not have to. Now I have a choice. Before AA I had to. Now I don't. Tell you a joke. This guy talks about, you know, the guy got drunk. And that, um, you know, and he was saying something along the lines of, uh, you know, well, so and so was saying how much time he had sober and that kind of thing. And he was saying, well, so and so, he said that you were just drunk last night. At the liquor so, I saw you. He said, yes, he said, yes, I was drunk. He says, um, but I did not find it necessary. In other words, yes, I did got drunk, but I didn't have to. You know, and I and I think about that. I did not find it necessary. That's right. And I'm so grateful. So for that, you know, I guess that's it. Love you guys. Thank you all for having me. And I'm going to keep coming back.